Stack. I'm the host, Joanne, and I'll be joined by a guest talking about something that makes them smile, even though I probably don't know much about it. I have two guidelines, no punching or pushing, so we're aiming to discuss these topics without insulting anything else or pressing political and social issues. We're just here to learn new things and share the things that bring us joy. Let's get into it. So this week, I am back with Damien, the host of the podcast, Can I Say Something? Um, Listeners might remember Damien was on once before talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe with me, and I am thrilled to have you back again. So do you want to tell everybody what we're going to be talking about this week? Yeah, so last time I came on, um, I talked about more of the, you know, action set pieces of the MCU, uh, more of the big bombastic moments, uh, the theater experiences of being in the theater and experiencing those moments with other people. And uh, this week I'm going to drill down more into the more, uh, you know, quieter, personal uh, character development character development moments with, uh, you know, interpersonal uh, character uh, relationships, uh, specifically Captain America, um, Steve Rogers, and uh, Peggy Carter, uh, Tony Stark, and Pepper Potts, all the different, um, you know, character development that really make all of those big bombastic moments mean something because you're afraid to, uh, to lose the characters that you hold dear. That's fantastic. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, like I mentioned at the beginning of our last one, I have not watched a lot of Marvel movies. I've watched a couple of them. Um, I have a bunch of them on my list on Disney Plus. Um, mm. So, but it's always interesting to learn about people. And yeah, I love I love what you said. Like these big moments don't really mean anything if there's not a true loss, right? Like we need to care yeah. about the characters in order to care about the world and the people that they're saving. So. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, I guess let's let's get into it. Do you want to start with um, Captain America, or where where would you like to jump in? Um, so yeah, I will. Um, let me just start off by talking about the three people, I'm, the three main people I'm going to be talking about today. It's you know Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor are the three main characters that I'll talk about, and they are the three main characters of the MCU overall. But they do a really good job of exploring the complex you know story arcs of all the different characters. Um, yeah, spoiler alerts for all of this stuff. <laughs> Just <laughs> say that right away uh, for the MCU and for the larger, you know, comics canon overall. So the reason you care about Tony Stark and Steve Rogers and Thor um, are the characters that they care about and, and the relationships that they have. So Tony Stark has Pepper Potts. Later on, he has uh, Morgan Stark, his daughter. And uh, really, the rest of the Avengers, he he feels like they are family to him, their extended family. And so part of his uh, character arc and his character development throughout the MCU is about him coming to terms with the fact that he can't protect all of them all the time. That's what he feels like his job is, to, to protect everyone. And if he feels like he's failed at anyone, he feels like he's failed completely. And he has a quote from... Um, Age of Ultron, where he says, I want to put a pseudo armor around the world. So this really, um, you know, defines his character arc in the middle of the of the MCU, where he feels like, you know, to to protect everyone, he has to contain everyone and secure everyone. And he's very much on the side of the government and the military and to thinks that, uh, you know, might is right, that um, he can use his powers as Iron Man to protect everyone. But um in the course of that, you know, uh, treading on people's rights as far as privacy and government surveillance, um, he goes too far in that in those areas. Um, Steve Rogers has Peggy Carter. He met her in the 40s. Um, I'll get into that but a little bit later. Um, uh, for a while, he, he was dating um, her niece, uh, Sharon Carter, and also Bucky Barnes, who was brainwashed into becoming the Winter Soldier on behalf of the Hydra and the Soviet Union. I talked a little bit about them uh, last time. Um, and Thor... 
um, has a, his girlfriend's name is Jane Foster. Um, he has really the most tragic story in the MCU. Um, his mother, Thor's mother, Frigga, died by being killed by uh, the dark elf, Malekith. His father died of old age in Thor Ragnarok. His brother, Loki, and most of Asgard was killed by Thanos. His sister, Hela, killed his friends, Heimdall, Fandral, and others, um, before uh, being killed herself by Surtur, the fire demon, who then uh, goes on to destroy all of his home, all of his Asgard home. All of it is, is gone by the, by the end of the, the MCU. So he's lost, basically. The, he, has, he has the most loss of the MCU overall. Um, Infinity War, he stabs Thanos in the chest, but because he did that and didn't, you know, hit a killing blow, uh, Thanos was able to snap his fingers and kill half the universe. So in Endgame, you see a lot of this, you know, massive regret and PTSD and depression sets in later on. So he really does have some of the most complex and most, you know, biggest, broadest uh, out there um, sort of character arc throughout the MCU. It's very interesting. Um, but I did want to dig into Captain America first. Um, so he meets Peggy Carter. Um, that This is basically what the entire MCU revolves around because it starts, one of the first movies is um, how Captain America meets Peggy Carter and it also ends with um, Captain America and Peggy Carter being together. But I'll get to that later. Um, so Peggy Carter was a uh, uh, agent of the Scientific uh, Reserve during and after World War II. She was a code breaker. Um, she worked at Belt Bletchley Park, and then she joined the Special Operations before being assigned as a British liaison to the U U.S. Army. That's where she met uh, Steve Rogers. Um, Haley Atwell, the, the, the actress that played Peggy Carter, um, said she based her performance off of Ginger Rogers. You know, Ginger Rogers um, is known for doing everything that... Um, I forget what his name is, but she says, you know, she can do everything Captain America can do, but backwards and in heels. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, there's this great part in the in the first Captain America where one of the first times they meet is when he's coming out of the pod and he's just become Captain America. And he's got his big broad chest and he's shirtless and <laughs> Peggy Carter saw him. This is the first time she actually saw him without a shirt on. So the, the scene, if you go back and watch this, she's in the scene and she actually touches his chest and pulls her hand back because she wasn't supposed to do that. And that's actually like, you know, uh, um, you know, a thing wasn't supposed to happen. It was a, I forgot what they call it, a goof in the, in the movie, but they left it in just because they liked that, the result so much. Yeah. Um, and there's so one of the first times they meet, the, the thing that I really want to focus on is, is the writing. So it's the dialogue and the writing is really what makes this, these relationships um, flourish. Um, so in, in one of the first times that Stephen and Peggy meet before, before the serum, um, they're in the car and Steve says to Peggy, I remember I remember this neighborhood. I got beat up in that alley, in that parking lot, in that diner. And Peggy says, did you have something against running away? And Steve says, you start running and they'll, ne they'll never let you stop. You stand up and push back. You can't say no, no forever, right? Peggy says, I know a little of what that's like to have every door shut in your face. So that's, that says so much. The, the, this, the writing in, in these movies is so good because it does that thing where, where it's you know, showing and not telling. You give, these, you give the audience these little bits of dialogue to tell you so much about what the character is about. And that part where he says, you know, if you stand up and you push back, so much of what Captain America is about is standing up to bullies and just standing up and, and, and uh, pushing back against uh, what he feels is wrong in the world. So uh he says steve says i guess i just don't know why you'd want to join the army if you're a beautiful dame or a woman agent uh not a dame uh, you're beautiful but peggy says you have, no, you have no idea how to talk to a woman do you <laughs> steve <laughs> says to be honest this is probably the longest conversation i've ever had with one women are exactly lining up to dance with a guy that they might step on peggy says you must have danced uh steve says asking a woman to dance it's always just seemed so terrifying in the past few years it ha just hasn't seemed to matter that much figured i wait peggy says for what steve says for the right partner and uh, that is foreshadowed. That is, um, 
you know, referenced later on at the end of the movie. Uh, Steve has beaten up uh, the Red Skull. He's on the ship. Uh, Red Skull was planning on bombing um, the eastern seaboard of the U.S., but uh, Steve is, is now piloting the ship, and it's going down over the Ant- Antarctic. And Steve calls into Peggy, and he says, there's not going to be a safe landing, but I can try and force it down. Peggy says, I'll get Howard on the line. He'll know He'll know what to do. Steve says, there's not enough time. This thing's moving too fast and it's heading for New York. I got to put it in the water. Peggy says, please don't do this. We have time. We can work it out. Steve says, right now in the middle of nowhere. If I wait any longer, a lot of people are going to die. Peggy, this is my choice. Peggy, she says, I'm here. I'm going to need a rain check on that dance. She says, all right, a week next Saturday at the store club. Steve says, you've got it. Eight o'clock on the dot. Don't you dare be late. Understood? You know, I still know how to dance. I'll show you how. Just be there. We'll have the band play something s- slow. <laughs> it's just, it's all, the entire, you know, relationship is based around him getting that last dance with Peggy. And that's how the, uh, that's how the end game ends with him uh, going back in time and having a dance with Peggy. So I thought that was really, that is pretty much encapsulates their entire, entire relationship right there in those few words of dialogue. So it's yeah. really great. Yeah. It's, it's really so, charming. Yeah. I, I do appreciate, um, when movies are able to reflect things like that, you know, to, to do the callbacks and to do the foreshadowing and to integrate something throughout a character arc instead of just having it and then it goes away and stuff like that. So the, the writing there is really, really impressive. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Even for, you know, again, we're talking about, you know, big giant blockbusters and it is really impressive to have dialogue like that and character development like that in a, in a movie where you're also, you know, punching uh, Nazis in the face. <laughs> like that. So you can have both. I know you can. Not, yeah. not related specifically to Marvel, but mm. there was a um, meme, I guess, online mm. about the Princess Bride. That was like, what's your favorite action movie? Princess Bride, romance movie, Princess Bride, comedy, Princess Bride, like, cause it's, all of those, like oh, it, it fits yeah. in almost every single genre, and yeah. I think that there's something to be said for Marvel movies and a lot of like current movies where they're not so hung up on like, well, it just has to be an action, you know, action movie. Like they can have romance, romance. They can have family drama. They can have like other beats going. You know, Guardians of the yeah. Galaxy, great comedy, also yes, action yes. movie, but yes, it can be both. Also, also tragic. You know the. Uh... Yeah. Um, Star Lord loses, you know, his father figure, the guy, the person that raised him in the second one. So that's, you know, just they have these these moments and these these themes of, you know, father fatherhood and parenthood and losing parents and and trying to be the best father you can and losing kids and yeah, it's a, a lot going on in there. Just yeah, it's very cool. Absolutely. Um, so uh, moving on to Thor, um, like I said, one of the most tragic uh, character arcs in the MCU. Um, he started off as you know a very um, spoiled, entitled uh, Prince of Asgard. Um, he didn't have much responsibility um, and took advantage of that uh, at every turn. Um, he didn't have a lot to earn. Uh, he was kicked out of Asgard and, and put uh, and thrown down to Earth. Um, so near the end of uh, in Infinity War, he's talking to Rocket Raccoon. They have this conversation on the ship when they're going to get his new uh, his new weapon, the Stormbreaker. Um, Rocket says to him, "Are you sure you're up to this particular mission?" Thor says. Absolutely. A rage and a vengeance, anger, lost regret. They're all tremendous motivators. They really clear the mind. So I'm good to go. Rocket says, yeah, but this Thanos is we're talking about. He's the toughest there is. Well, he's never fought me. Yeah, he has. Well, he's never fought me twice. I'm getting <laughs> into a hammer. Don't forget. Well, it better be some hammer. 
Listen, I'm 1,500 years old. I've killed twice as many enemies as that, and every one of them would have killed me, but none succeeded. I'm only alive because fate wants me alive. Thanos is just the latest in the long line of bastards, and he'll be the latest to feel my vengeance because fate wills it so. Uh-huh. And what if you're wrong? Well, if I'm wrong, what more could I lose? <laughs> and Rocket says, well, me, personally, I could lose a lot. <laughs> it's just, you know, Thor has lost so much, and he's just, you have to watch the scene because he's just, you know, barely holding back tears. And it's just this tragic arc of, of a man who's just known, you know, violence and, and anger and rage is the only thing he's known to, 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 you know, get out his emotions. He never really had a quiet moment throughout the MCU. There's always been something to fight or someone to save, some big challenge he has to overcome with his fist. He's never really had a moment where he could just sit down and think about what's, what's happened so far. He's, you know, he's lost pretty much his entire family. His entire civilization almost has been wiped out in the past few years. So it's really impressive that they are able to say, you know, this guy that is just, you know, a, a God of thunder can have, uh, you know, emotions as well. He might be a God, but he still has, you know, human emotions, which is pretty hard to, uh, to get across, but I thought they did a pretty right. good job there. Um, and then in Endgame, um, he, so they have to go back a uh, quick, synopsis of endgame they have to go back to collect infinity stones because thanos destroyed the ones he used so they have to go back in time and collect other ones to throw them throughout their their um their story throughout the mcu um and and thor is tasked with going back to to asgard to get the reality stone um and he has this conversation with his mother on the day she dies um and he runs into her and, and fergus says the future hasn't been kind to you has it and thor says i didn't say i was from the future fergus says i was raised by a witch's boy i see with more than my eyes you know that Thor says, yeah, I'm, I'm totally from the future. Yes, you are, honey. <laughs> and Thor says, we need to talk. He says, his head was over there. His body was over there talking about Thanos. He says, I mean, what's the point? I was too late. I was just sitting there like some idiot with an ax. Fergus says, no, no. Now you're no idiot. You're here, aren't you? Seeking guidance from the wisest person in Asgard. Thor says, yeah, I guess. Idiot? No. A failure? Absolutely. That's a bit harsh. Do you know what that makes you? Just like everyone else. I'm not supposed to be like everyone else, am I? Everyone feels at who they're supposed to be, Thor. The measure of a person, of a hero, is how well they, they succeed at being who they are. And he said, Thor says, I really missed you, Mom. And so that's a really, really nice scene of just, you know, him trying to get closure in the fact that, you know, he didn't have these these quiet, small moments with his family. And that was really, I thought that was a really great and strong moment, strong writing um, by the writers to, to bring, to try to bring some closure to, you know, the death of his mother. So that was a really great moment. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, it, it, I I think that that's really awesome. I think, like, I love that they're so willing to explore more than just romantic love, too. You know, like, familial yeah. love is super important. And some people relate more to one than the other. So having both represented is really cool. It's yeah. also really weird to think of Thor as having basically what boils down to imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, you're, you're literally a god. You can do anything. You're the strongest person. And it's like but I, it, I don't feel like it's enough or I feel like I'm expected to be different or whatever. Um, yeah. And it's a, it's a good reminder that anybody can feel that. So, yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting to bring up, you know, the, the different kind of love stories that they're talking about. Do you ever hear this, this idea that every story is a love story? No. So it was something I heard a while ago and 
there's this article I just want to mention real quick by uh, Crystal Jackson. She was talking about how she was listening to a therapist talking about how um, refugees come from war-torn countries and their focus wasn't on the larger issues of like homelessness or leaving their country behind. Their focus was on on the love and the relationships that they had with each other. Um, she says in the article, we don't characterize our cop shows or law shows or other dramas as being romances, but aren't they? Sure, there are other plots, but oftentimes we stay around for, for the relationships, not the solving of the cases or the next big reveal of some mystery. We invest in the characters and their love stories. So I thought that was really, um, you know, epitomizes what, I, what I'm talking about here is just, you know, you don't really care that Thor put an axe in, in Thanos or who killed who or who's going to be, you know, the next hero, the next big bad. It's about the, 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 the effect that it has on these characters, what their loss means. You know, half the universe was lost in Infinity War and half the universe came back in Endgame. And it's like, so what was the point? Well, the point was those those years in between, those five years in between that people were gone and people were missed and now they're back and now, you know, the 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 plot is you know how are they going to reintegrate into society i don't know if you saw the leftovers but i heard it's a lot like that where people are gone for a long time and they come back so i think a lot of what the mcu is going to be going going to be going forward is how are these heroes and how are these you know normal people going to um reconcile all of these years that these people have been gone so that was really interesting Yeah. yeah um so yeah just moving on to uh tony stark um, he had a he had another massive uh, character arc throughout the series. He started off as a uh, a playboy billionaire philanthropist, um, and he ended up as a father and a husband and someone capable of giving it all up to save the world. He started off as you know this guy that inherited this giant industry, the Stark Industries, that was basically you know making weapons of war and selling weapons of war, and that was his <clears throat> that was Tony Stark's legacy and his father's legacy. And when he was kidnapped by the terrorists, he and and he let, and he got out. He you know had this revelation that that's not all Stark Industries can be. It can be a lot more. And he had a you know falling out with this guy called Obadiah Stane, and they had you know this fight at the end about who's going to control the company. Um, he made Pepper Potts his girlfriend, the CEO of the company. Um, he made it. Uh, he made a new company called or a offshoot company called Stark Relief Foundation, which um, basically picked up you know. Uh, collateral damage left in the wake of the Avengers uh, related battles. That was interesting. Um, So Pepper Potts, uh, through all all his up and downs, Pepper Potts has always stayed on Tony's side. Tony finally realizes this, stops messing around, and fully commits himself to Pepper. He became a faithful husband, and together they created a family and a fruitful life together. And and throughout his his story, right, he really has struggled with PTSD. Um, One of the first big movies is the first Avengers. And in that movie, he takes uh, a nuclear warhead and he shoots it out into space and he falls back to Earth, almost dying in that battle. And a lot of what the middle of his story arc is about is about him dealing with the PTSD of that. And every, you know, it's this thing where he's just a human. He's just a guy in a suit. And all of these, you know, giant space aliens and all of these space gods are now coming at him and trying to kill him. And you see on his face in a lot of these moments, um, there's this moment in Civil War where he doesn't have his suit and he has to uh, fend off the Winter Soldier. And all he has on is this like little wrist strap that shoots out, you know, pulse, pulse or rays or whatever. And he's got his glasses on, which are bulletproof. And um, Bucky shoots him in the face, but it glances off his glasses. And you see this look of panic in his, in his face that you rarely see on him. This is a really great moment. Another time you see it is in his battle with Thanos later on when he gets stabbed in the stomach. But, um, but getting back to, you know, the, the relationships of it all. Um, he had a relationship with Peter Parker, who was Spider-Man, obviously. So that really taught him, you know, what it meant to be a father and a mentor to somebody. And I think that led to him wanting to be a father with, uh, with Pepper Potts. 
Um, and he has this really great moment. Again, Endgame has these moments where it really brings everything around and really has these moments of closure that um, characters have with their parents. Uh, Tony has this moment with his father when he meets him um, in the 70s. Um, Howard says, my old man never met a problem he couldn't solve with a belt. And Tony says, I thought my old man was tough on me. Now looking back on it, I just remember the good stuff. You know, he did drop the odd pearl. Howard says, yeah, like what? No amount of money ever bought a second of time. Smart guy. Yeah, I did his best. So that's, you know, he, Howard doesn't know who he is at this point. They're just having a conversation like two guys. Um, but it is really, you know, it epitomizes all of what this, this series is about. It's about closure with, with you know, parents and, and getting closure on all of these different um, different areas of, of their lives, which I thought was really, really interesting. Really, uh, you know, get you right in the feels, as they say. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and so, you know, just the thing with this kid, too, is uh, really heartbreaking. He has these these moments at the end where he's talking to his daughter, Morgan, and saying he has that moment at the end where she's saying, you know, I love you 3000. And that that comes back again. Again, all of this, all of the writing is really, 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 really impressive. Um, I think it's really um, down to the writers. Um, they started off in Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, the writers are... Uh, let me pull it up here. Uh, Stephen McFeely and Christopher Marcus. And they, so they wrote a lot of the MCU. They wrote the first Captain America. They wrote the second and third one. They wrote Thor The Dark World um, and Infinity War and Endgame. So I think the reason that the, this whole series was so great at being a cohesive, you know, just one piece of cohesive narrative is that they had the same writers throughout a lot of the movies. So I think that really helped a lot. Um, and so just, you know, just wrapping up, it just, it just is so incredible I, I you know i tear up after watching these scenes on on youtube last night doing research for for the document and it was just so so heartbreaking even seeing some of these moments in captain america where cap is talking about you know sacrificing himself and then there's a moment in um in winter soldier where you know he sees peggy carter for the last time and she's talking about you know the old times and things like that and it's just so heartbreaking seeing that and um and then you see, you know, things with, with Tony and his daughter and, and Pepper. And it's just it's just these these moments. That it's really incredible that you can have one moment in this movie where where Tony's fighting Thanos and he snaps his fingers and he falls over almost dead. And Peter Parker comes over and he says, Mr. Stark, Mr. Stark, we won. We won. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And then and his wife comes over and he says, Tony, you can rest now. And it's just <laughs> it's just yeah. so heartbreaking seeing these moments. And it, it's it's really I think the really incredible thing is you can have, like I said, those dichotomies of three minutes ago, you're watching, you know, this giant battle take place and punching, kicking and all of this stuff. And a second later, you're in tears. And it's just it, it, it's, uh, you know, down to the writing. I, I keep coming back to that of how how impressive it is. You can have both of those things, not just in one movie, but also minutes apart. Yeah, it it yeah. really is, like you said, it's just impressive, right? The, the yeah. range of emotions that um, cinema can make make us feel and make us witness, and the the way we can emotionally invest in characters, um, and sometimes all it takes is those simple lines to really yeah. draw you in and hit you right in the heart. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really glad that you found this and found so much joy and compassion and every every other emotion that these things can mm. make you feel from it and that you were willing to come on and and share it with me yeah you're welcome um i just want to say real quick the um 
Loki, the, the series on Disney Plus just finished, and in the last uh, episode, at the beginning of the episode, they had uh, this really amazing uh, collage of moments and memories from the MCU, and they had the uh, the song, It's Been a Long, Long Time, uh, playing in the background, which is the song that, that uh, Steve Rogers and Peggy danced to at the end of the last movie. So it's just even those little, you know, flourishes, those little <laughs> callbacks, those little, you know, audio um, uh, montages of those of those moments just you know, trigger something in your brain, just like, oh man, I remember that. That was amazing. <laughs> that's that's really cool. Yeah, I'd highly recommend watching Loki. It's one of the best shows I've seen. Uh, they've they've done three of them so far, and this is definitely one of the best ones I've seen. Awesome. Well, thank you, thank you again for coming on and for sharing. Um, if you want to remind people where they can go to find you and your and your podcast, if they're interested in hearing more from you. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's uh, Can I Say Something? It's on all the major uh, podcast apps, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, Spotify, iTunes, all of that stuff. So it's uh, Can I Say Something? Um, and the email address is uh, B-I-S-I-C-K-L-E at gmail.com. It's bicycle at gmail.com. I'm also at bicycle on Twitter. So hit me up there if you have any questions. curious person that likes encouraging others, please consider subscribing to discover a new topic with me each week. If you have a topic you'd like to add to the stack, please email theturtlestack at gmail.com. You could also help grow the community by liking, rating, and telling others. Thanks for listening.